Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Welcome to episode 71 of the Cannabis 101 podcast, hour one. My name is Dean Millard, and it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy on this program, and uh, we're going to have some fun, we're going to educate you, and we're going to tell you some of the latest news on the program, but there is one thing that we need to do before we get things going, and that's where I have to find out what's your groove. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kind of grabs you by the boo boo, don't it? Pipe in a crate, long in a blitz. This is great. This is the bee's knees. So when I say, what's your groove, I want to know that if you're listening to this show and you're grooving with something, uh, maybe it's a joint, maybe it's just some CBD, could be a bong, I don't know, there's lots of stuff. Pipe and a crepe, bong and a blintz. I am going with a little OG Kush Shatter in the wonderful Slash from Stonesmiths. And yes, I have to say welcome to the program this wonderful company, local to Edmonton, who are now the presenting sponsor of the Cannabis 101 podcast. So thank you very much to this unique, amazing company with this very cool product. Uh, I've actually preloaded it. This also is something cool that comes with it. Uh, You can keep your concentrate in there. Uh, There's uh, actually uh, six different compartments uh, that you can use. in that situation. So it's really, really cool. Uh, I've got some OG Kush shatter from Fireside. Uh, I really wish Fireside would put all of their uh, shatter in wax paper instead of, uh, I was told just the blueberry is going to be put into wax paper. I don't know why. I, you know, people really shouldn't have to work that hard. And when you don't put wax paper in your shatter, it <laughs> molds to the glass. And when you take it out, it goes everywhere so you know you lose it uh, you shouldn't have to work hard anyway please anybody that's making shatter put wax paper in it and you know i i have to take it out in pieces and put it in wax paper when you get home and it's hard you lose stuff so for any company please put it in some wax paper having said that this is so unique uh, it actually comes with a loading tool put it in to your uh, concentrate Throw it in. It's magnetic. Now, what you want to do is let this go for about four seconds as it heats up, and then you hit it on one of their three temperature settings. I absolutely love it. So big thanks to Stonesmiths for jumping on board as the presenting sponsor of the Cannabis 101 podcast. It also has like a a 12-second 
auto fire mode uh, that fires it up for you. So it's awesome. It's the Slash from Stonesmiths. Got my groove on. Cannot wait to get the rest of the show. Uh, by the way, you can find this online at stonesmiths.ca, but also uh, Shellshock in Edmonton has them. Smokers Junction in Calgary has them. And you can get them at Cowboys Smoke Shop in Calgary and Vancouver. So very, very cool. Very happy to be associated with these guys. Okay, here is what's coming down the hash pipe on this program. David Wiley from the OZ is going to join us on This Week in Cannabis News. We're going to chat about a mental health study that is going to be taking place in Canada when it comes to cannabis. This is groundbreaking stuff. Also, there's some big predictions for beverages in uh, this country as they explode over the next year for 2021. So BC retailers are not very happy with the, the provincial government opening up brick-and-mortar stores. And, of course, we'll check out and look ahead at what impact the U.S. election could have on Canada. We're also going to talk about the U.S. election in the business of cannabis with Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Gen Co. Uh, you can check that out at greengencompany.com. We're going to discuss the election impact. We're also going to talk about uh, some cannabis software that could be changing the game in change makers and what it means to be green greenwashing the dark side of being green where it's just a bunch of a bunch of buzzwords uh, that are going on speaking of words we'll have weed word of the day one slang and one standard terminology and we want to tell you or we'll tell you about the uh, cannabis question in a little bit and that is about being active we'll also tell you how you can sign up for the weed weekly and get the cannabis 101 podcast in your inbox every friday but Let's get things going with uh, a little bit of fun here, and we'll uh, give something away as we kick off the cannabis question. It's prize time. <laughs> Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe in a grape. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at Cannabis101Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. So what I want to know uh, from you in the cannabis question is what is something active you enjoy doing when cannabis is involved? Uh, so let me know, you know, this is part of uh, breaking that stigma that uh, if you smoke a joint or you get high, you're just locked to your couch. And, you know, there are some strains that will do that to you, but there are a lot of awesome strains out there that are great for creativity. They're great for activity. And I want to know what activities you like to combine with cannabis. Uh, this kind of goes uh, what pairs well with cannabis uh, that we do in hour number two. But what is something active that you enjoy doing when it comes to cannabis, I'll tell you, I, I haven't skied in a few years, but I love two things I loved about downhill skiing was, uh, you know, combining cannabis, you know, either smoking a joint on the way up or stopping along the way to smoke a joint. 
And then music. I, I throw at least one earbud in. Try to keep one ear open just in case. Um, you know, you should be paying attention a little bit uh, if, if you're skiing, especially with somebody else. Uh, but I love to have music and uh, cannabis downhill skiing. It's it's just a blast. Uh, you know, you don't really want to get too high. I had a buddy actually uh, on the way up to the uh, the hill started talking about how we wanted to have cows that laid eggs. And uh, at that point, I knew we were going to take a little bit of a break before we went down the hill uh, to chill out. So we just stopped off and had a little fun. So if you're ever with somebody that says they want to have some cows that lay eggs, uh, then uh, definitely... Uh, <laughs> take a small break before heading down the hill. But I, I love, uh, you know, doing different acts. I like going for walks or hikes, uh, just different things like that. So let me know what you do as far as being active uh, when it comes to cannabis. And I would love uh, to, to find out. Uh, you can hit me up on our social media feeds. Uh, that is the Cannabis 101 on Twitter. Uh, you can also get us uh, the Cannabis 101 podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me at cannabis. 101podcast at gmail.com. And just for entering, just for chiming in, you're going to go into the mix and you could win a Regal Cigar. Yeah, we've got some new Regal Cigars uh, to be awarding to some of our lucky viewers and listeners. And we're going to have the team from Regal Cigars on the show in the next little while. So we've got some cool stuff cooking. Uh, you're going to be able to get some product. So just for chiming in on what you do active as far as cannabis, you could win yourself a Regal Cigar. All right, just before we get to this week in cannabis news, I want to tell you about the Weed Weekly. That is where you can get the Cannabis 101 podcast in your inbox if you missed it. It comes out every Friday, recaps the show. We have a giveaway there as well. We have some other cool things that we try to throw in and entertain you. Just head to the Cannabis101podcast.ca and sign up. Uh, it's only for subscribers, though. So tell your friends if they want to get in the mix, and we spin the wheel of names every Friday. And uh, this one came, last one came out Saturday because I wanted a Halloween edition. But, uh, yeah, head to the Cannabis101podcast.ca, sign up for the Weed Weekly, and boom, you're in the mix for our giveaway every Friday. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. My good friend David Wiley from The OZ joining me as usual. You can find them online at OkanaganZ.com and check them out on Twitter at Okanagan Z, uh, David, uh, great to catch up, uh, see you, and hear from you again. How are things uh, in the uh, post-Halloween world of uh, the Okanagan? Hello, hello. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> now, I'm not looking forward to winter, but I got to say that of all the holidays, Christmas is my favorite, and that's coming up. Now, I never celebrate before Remembrance Day because I think it's really important that that comes first and we take time to honor people who are making those sacrifices. And then it's Christmas, my friends. Then it's Christmas. All right. Yes, we all should be making sure that uh, uh, we're wearing a poppy and, and you know, go out and uh, donate a few bucks to buy a poppy as well each year. That's obviously very, very important. Uh, also very important is this first story that we are going to talk about. And, uh, man, I, I am so excited uh, to talk about this, the fact that uh, there is uh, almost a million and a half dollars going towards research when it comes to cannabis and mental health studies. And this is a story that uh, I'm sure you are excited to post on uh, the OZ. Yeah, groundbreaking cannabis mental health studies. And this new research 
is the some of the first in Canada, including uh, the first research involving Métis and some of the first Indigenous-led research. So there's a funding for 14 different community-led research projects coming from the Mental Health Commission of Canada. And up to $100,000 is earmarked for each of these projects over two years for how researcher, for researchers who will be exploring uh, how cannabis use affects underserved populations across the country. This is, again, some of that research that's coming out that we're able to do, and I'm very excited to see. This is going to address what researchers say are significant gaps uh, on cannabis and mental health when it comes to Indigenous, Métis, uh, 2SL, GPTQ+, seniors, immigrants, refugees, ethnocultural and racialized populations. Uh, basically, all communities that are experiencing some layers of oppression. So uh, it's great to see six of those projects are including initial examinations of cannabis use and mental health in Métis and First Nations communities. Uh, and this is what, they're, what, what the Mental Health Association is calling a step in the right direction toward the decolonization of Indigenous knowledges. Um, so much amazing research is happening. There was other research, further research announced over the last week or two um, by a pair of BC-led teams and not just to mental health. These are researchers that are examining um, how to improve the, the growth of cannabis and, uh, and to, to grow cannabis that's more mildew resistant. Um, so it's happening in all sorts of different sectors and mental health research is somewhere where we really just haven't seen uh, uh, you know, a dearth of studies, especially with these populations. And I'm just so glad to see that that's happening. Yeah, I, I uh, when I saw this story, it uh, just uh, kind of lit things up for me because I can't wait to, you know, for this research uh, to be done. And then down the road at some point, somebody in a uh, an appointment uh, with uh, a mental health physician you know, could get uh, cannabis recommended to them if it's not happening already with some of them. So I'm really excited about this. And, and also, uh, I really like the uh, the graphic that you guys have uh, at the uh, the website, okanaganz.com, about cannabis in the brain. I think that's something that people can also check out and kind of see how it, uh, you know, you know, how their brain works uh, on a graphic form. And that was really interesting to me to put up too. Um, you know, there are hundreds of compounds in cannabis and uh, they alter and affect different parts of the brain. And if you're interested in learning how that does affect you, uh, it's a pretty good resource. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's it's you know, there, I, I just love the the fact that we're just learning so much more uh, each and every day when it comes to uh, cannabis. All right. In your neck of the woods, there are some unhappy retailers right now, though, in the mm -hmm. province of B.C., Boy, the tension between private and provincial stores has just been simmering. Um, you know, in the past, the private stores have accused some owners anyway, have accused the province of having an unfair advantage, especially when it comes to online sales. And when you're selling cannabis through the provincial government, just like anything else, you've got those deep, deep pockets. Now, more than 400 people have signed a new petition that's calling on the BC government to halt its expansion of the provincially run brick and mortar BC cannabis stores. Uh, this petition is uh, really kicked forward by a group called the Association 
of Canadian cannabis retailers or acres. Uh, and it's been circulating quite a bit on social media. Uh, basically, they're saying that the province of BC is opening over 200 taxpayer funded government BC cannabis stores over the next couple of years. And they make the argument that that's at a cost of hundreds of millions of dollars to taxpayers, which seems to them unnecessary and wasteful right now, especially in the midst of COVID, where we have all kinds of uh, other things that money could be spent on. Now, Acres is arguing in the petition that a private enterprise really has the capacity to provide access to regulated cannabis across the province. Uh, and they're saying that the investment uh, in publicly owned infrastructure is an unnecessary expenditure. So uh, if you're interested, you go online, check out that petition, see what they have to say. I'm sure that this isn't something that is um, just being felt in BC. I know that there's frustration uh, in other places and other provinces when it comes to um, you know, basically stores trying to get into the market or in some senses facing competition from the government. Yeah, well, and, and I can only speak for uh, the experience here in Alberta, and by no means am I a retailer, but I do talk to a lot of them. And, the, you know, the issue here isn't that the the province has a bunch of stores. It's that there's just so many stores in general. The the cap kept going up and up and up. So obviously, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of strange that uh, the province, it, correct me if I'm wrong, in BC, the province is the only place to get online delivery, or delivery right, is from the uh, province of BC sent to your house? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So with private retails, retailers, what people can do is they can uh, click and collect basically as mm. it's called, you go online, you reserve your cannabis, you come to the store and they'll even bring it out to you at the front door in case you don't wanna go in. But you can't have it delivered to your house. That's something that the provincial government um, has a monopoly on here. Yeah, so it seems, it just seems, you know they already have that monopoly. Do they need stores? Uh, I just I I I can see and sympathize and empathize uh, certainly with uh, with a lot of the what the retailers are going through in this situation because they're like, hey, if if you're going to have a store, then let us deliver. Like it's you know you're 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 trying yeah. to kind of come onto the turf that you 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 have a monopoly on the other side of the fence. Why do you need to come on this side? So I, I totally get what they're going at here. And I understand that some people are saying the sentiment online in some cases is that, um, you know, the, the whole point of legalization was to create access for people and to make sure that uh, that people can get their hands on legitimate legal cannabis. So provincial stores, brick and mortar uh, does have the ability to make sure that every community, no matter how small, is served. However, we're just not seeing that in BC. Every community, um, big or small that can, has people that are interested in opening up a cannabis mm. store privately. Okay, let's move on to this story about beverages. And uh, beverages, big predictions, big business. Uh, that's the, the story coming out of uh, greenentrepreneur.com. Um, I will preface by saying I'm a little bit wary about <laughs> big predictions, having seen so many of them in the, at the beginning of the cannabis industry. But certainly I think drinks are, drinks are going to have a big impact. I think so. Uh, you, cannabis drinks are definitely expected to be a major disruptor in the beverages sector over even just a short period of time. Uh, you know, just how short? Well, a report called Disrupting Drinks that was published earlier this year by cannabis market intelligence firm Prohibition Partners predicts the market for cannabis infused beverages is going to hit 
four billion dollars by 2024 so that is not insignificant now uh, there are some pretty big signs that uh, drinking up your highs taking off if you got established brands that are forming strategic partnerships you think molson and coors uh, ocean spray constellation brands which uh, has a big stake in canopy growth so the, these companies are putting significant resources into cannabis drinks and these are big companies with their finger that's really on the pulse of the trends in that market uh, so if they feel that cannabis drinks are going to become big you know that there's research that's backing it now it's not just the big players either more brands are getting into the market in canada we're seeing new drinks coming uh out really regularly heck my own fridge is stocked with about eight different drinks right now from five separate companies and that doesn't even count drops or powders that you can add to any liquid. And there's so much room for growth. There's different types of beer, different sodas, cannabis infused coffees. And I will point out that not a single cannabis kombucha is on the market yet. I would love to see that. Uh, and you know, that's another point is that when it comes to cannabis drinks, they're really an alternative for health conscious consumers. If you compare calories in cannabis drinks to other drinks, take beer, for example, which is generally about 150 calories, some of the drinks that are cannabis infused out there like sparkling waters are really only four calories so that's a big difference and they're, they're capturing new consumers who just aren't into smoking uh, demand is really only going to go up all kinds of studies are showing that at kearney found 30 percent of americans are willing to try you know cannabis infused non-alcoholic beverages data from a research company headset found that there was a 14 percent increase in the sale of cannabis infused beverages and more and more countries and U.S. states are legalizing, creating more potential customers. And, you know, I'll, I'll make one more note on this, too, that cannabis-infused drinks are getting more and more advanced. Uh, I've talked recently to the CEO of The Balance Company, and that really is their business, to try and improve the science when it comes to cannabis infusion. What they're trying to do is give cannabis beverages a similar onset and offset to alcohol. So you can go out, you can drive to a friend's place or drive to somewhere where you can um, basically partake with others. And so these drinks will hit faster and they'll ebb away faster, meaning that you don't have to go and sit somewhere for hours and hours on end like you would with certain types of edibles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the convenience factor is going to be something that I think people and and you know obviously the uh, the health conscious like how many commercials do you see for light beer like as light as possible yeah. this type of beer for that health conscious person that you know works hard and then wants to relax with a beer i think that is going to be a really really big market and especially you know if there's ever any kind of advertising uh, how do you not look at some sort of ocean spray dreams commercial uh when it comes to a cannabis infused drink with the the way that was uh is rolling right now so i i think that the, there is definitely room for big growth i hope it follows uh, through with these predictions and we see that uh, that drinks really explode and the technology uh, really takes off as well. And that kind of um, explosion uh, could go hand in hand. What could happen uh, in the next little while down south uh, in, of course, the United States when we talk about the election and the kind of impact that could have not just there, but here as well. I know that we're all just so, so sick and tired of hearing about the election. Yes. And... We're on the cusp of it, you know, talking about this uh, on election eve in the U.S. Now, when it comes to cannabis, the U.S. election is going to be fairly interesting. And no matter what the result, 
uh, chances are that cannabis is going to continue to go the way of decriminalization or legalization in the states. If there's one issue in this whole divisive uh, dumpster fire, to borrow a phrase of an election, it's generally that both parties seem to agree that cannabis is something that people want and are ready for, but would also help the U.S. You know, polls are showing, we talked about this earlier, polls are showing that U.S. public opinion has really turned around on the issue of legalization and that a majority of, a, of adults at the U.S. are now saying that cannabis should be legal for both medical and recreational purposes. You've got Republican lawmakers that have sponsored uh, cannabis legislation that's been proposed by the Democrats. And the incentives right now to lift restrictions on cannabis economically have only gotten stronger. We, with COVID-19 and the way that economies all over the world have suffered, legalization is a way to create jobs, to bring in tax money, to give an economic boost and ever important the idea of ensuring that there's social justice for people who have been incarcerated for something that right now people are making a profit off of. So where do the two main uh, parties stand? Well, really the two only parties in the US, a win by Democrat Joe Biden could lead to actual full federal legalization with medical cannabis. When it comes to recreational cannabis, he's a little more tepid and the Democrats are looking more at the idea of decriminalization. So we'd still see some form of patchwork across the states. Um, and as far as if President Donald Trump is reelected and the Republicans, Republicans keep control of the Senate, we've seen evidence that they really are willing to uh, work together with the Democrats, at least on this one issue. So what does that mean for Canada? Well, we have some of the big companies in Canada, like Canopy Growth and Aurora Cannabis, that are really set to make a move when uh, when the, the states legalize federally, if that were to happen. Uh, Canopy, for example, um, how would it would greenlight the acquisition of acreage holdings, and that's an American cannabis change. So we'd see the floodgates really open up. Uh, now, a big question as to what this would mean for Canada is whether or not we would retain our competitive advantage when it comes to this. Uh, and really, the jury's out on that. We won't know until this actually happens. Yeah, and and that's where, you know, there are people uh, that think that the United States has that competitive advantage already, which is weird to say because they're actually not yet in the game as far as legalization, but some think they already have that competitive advantage. It's weird, isn't it? I, I think so. And we have companies here who not only have uh, gained a ton of market share uh, and a, a brilliant reputation around the world for different operations that are taking place, you know, but we've really set the rules across the country on cannabis. And uh, while they're not what we'd like to see in all aspects, uh, this is a moving target and certainly these laws are evolving. I, I would like to say that when it comes to uh, our, our good friend, the wonderful cannabis plant, that Canada is a leader and, uh, you know, fingers crossed that we will stay there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it in the big picture thinking, you know, if there's some sort of legalization or some move forward by the United States, does that make Canada 
uh, take a look and say, okay, we've been in it for a couple of years. Now to give ourselves a competitive advantage or, or be able to compete, maybe we relax. Maybe Canada and Health Canada and, and the governing body says, okay, we don't want to get left behind in the race that we were the only ones in for a long time. Maybe we have to relax. Maybe this actually forces Canada to take a look at it and say, so far, so good. Let's open up a little bit and, and, and be a little bit more open-minded when it comes to cannabis and the regulations. I'm not sure. I'm just spitballing, but I hope so anyway. And I think that that's somewhere where Canada is really behind. If you look at some of the companies in the States and the way that they're able to market, I think about Martha Stewart's new CBD company, for example, mm -hmm. and just the packaging on her new gummies. It's, it's artistic. It's beautiful. Uh, it really appeals to a certain demographic. And that's something that we should be doing in Canada. Uh, you know, this, this, <laughs> this isn't a dangerous product. It's, it's highly regulated. It's very safe. We have responsible companies and some of the brightest minds that are working on it. And at the end of the day, we're talking about a plant, my friends. Mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, slick packaging and uh, great design, uh, I know that uh, <laughs> you have one of these in, in your uh, household. It's the Slash from Stonesmiths, and of course, they're uh, uh, brand new presenters of the show. Uh, and listen, I we, we talked about dabbing one time, and, and dabbing can be really, really scary. I think this is a great introduction to dabbing, and, and great for the experienced dabber as well, because... The old way of dabbing, or you know, the the classic way, is getting out your torch, and that could be really scary for a lot of people. This makes it pretty easy, doesn't it? It sure does. And for me, you know, I've been around cannabis for a long time. I'm a joint smoker. I'm a dryer vapor. I love my drinks and cannabis 2.0. Concentrates was definitely something that I did not have a lot of experience with. I still do not have a lot of experience with. But when it came to the Stonesmith Slash, that was my introduction. And it was great to give a try to some of these uh, concentrate products that are on the market. Mm -hmm. And definitely when we talk about the buzz that you feel when it comes to concentrates, it's uh, it's different and it's pretty cool. And yeah, I'm thankful for the experience uh, that I got through through the Slash. Yeah, that, that's the, the one cool thing that you mentioned. And, you know, especially in, in the BC area, there's a lot of really good concentrates coming out. Uh, I implore people, uh, if you've never tried it, uh, give it a try. It's, it is a different way and the flavors you, you really get from, uh, from dabbing. So I really like it and, and I'm getting more and more into it. I was like you. I was a bong guy pretty much the whole time. And, you know, <laughs> vaping has opened up so many more things, especially my lungs. They're a lot better uh, with the, uh, the vaping experience. <laughs> as of late so great stuff david uh, people can check things out of course at okanaganz.com and they can find you on twitter at okanaganz thanks for chatting as always david have yourself a great week you too thanks dean this is the cannabis 101 podcast your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. want to remind you about the Cannabis and Hemp Expo, slated for April 24th and 25th of 2021. Man, we'll be glad to put 2020 behind us. Uh, it's going to be at the Edmonton Expo Center. You can find out more details at CannabisHempExpo.com. We'll be there on location 
producing episodes. So if you're interested in uh, meeting us, uh, joining the show, pop on by, say hello. We'll hopefully have some tickets to give away uh, before the show as well. This has been unfortunately postponed twice, but supposed to happen. Fingers crossed, April 24th and 25th of 21. CannabisHempExpo.com is where you can find all the details. This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malka LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. Joining me as usual for the business of cannabis. Find out how she can help you at www.greengencompany.com. Malka, great to chat and see you once again. How are things? Hi, Dean. Good. We are having a Chinook already. <laughs> so uh, the weather persists to change yet again. Excellent. And uh, just after <laughs> Halloween, uh, did you did you uh, see much going on with Halloween in your area this past weekend? Yeah, actually, it was pretty. Um, it was actually the first time we were ever home in our own house for Halloween. Usually we go to other neighborhoods that are really bumping with kids, but our daughter's old enough where she can sort of do her own thing so she found the neighborhood kids that she usually plays with so sort of part of her bubble and they had a great time so it was fun for everyone it wasn't as busy but that was okay and still fun for everyone awesome that is good stuff all right uh, let's get to our lead topic today and this is obviously something that we're going to be watching for the next few days the u.s election and this could really shake up the cannabis landscape uh in the next well, however long it takes for it to happen. Yeah, you know, this is this could be a game changer uh, for cannabis, for Canada, in the U.S. So I, I wanted to share with you sort of some of my thoughts on what could happen uh, with the U.S. elections that would basically change the industry as we know it. So these are sort of my... I'm going to say predictions, my uh, collective intelligence of all the things that I read to share with you. So there's, I guess, like five key ways that this the election could drastically change what we see right now. Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to go through. Um, the biggest, I think, and the most important one, which aligns both with our desire to legalize cannabis in Canada and as sort of the rest of, you know, anywhere that's looking at it, is the acceleration and closing of the illicit market. Um, if uh, the cannabis, if cannabis, any form that might happen in the U.S., if they choose to go legal uh, in the U.S., the pandemic has caused uh, many regulators in the U.S. to already permit, uh, even state by state, um, previously prohibited retail activity like curbside pickup and delivery. And Dutchie, who is both a U.S. and Canada platform for online uh, e-commerce sales of cannabis products, um, has ex- essentially made this super easy for stores to jump on their platform and use their services to, to both for pickup and delivery, a curbside pickup um, across all of North America. So this particular platform is already in place. Many stores in Canada are using it and in the U.S. And doesn't matter what happens in the U.S., this will continue to accelerate that uh, growth and really close that gap, making um, illicit activity less convenient and legal activity more convenient, which is really what we want. 
Um, some of the other things we're going to see is an, an increased economic recovery and tax base. So in the U.S., uh, huge unemployment is a major issue, uh, obviously, with the pandemic for a lot of states. And many states are looking at states that have legalized cannabis as a potential uh job replacement uh, industry uh, spurning of recovery activity of economic recovery. We're seeing that in Canada already and definitely in some states in the US. Um, but it's an increased tax base. So as st state more states choose to jump on board the cannabis legalization bandwagon, and I believe there's about uh, 42 actually, which I, of the count that I heard out of 50, that if all of the ballots go through with legalization on them for medicinal or recreational use that's uh, on the ballot for tomorrow in the US, most of states in the U.S. will be have some form of cannabis legalization, and that creates a tax base that didn't exist before. So if the states which are sort of in the U.S. more responsible for taxes, I think, than federally, um, they see this as an opportunity to boost their tax base, and they need that right now especially. Um, so and then along with that, we see sort of how the overflow will happen in Canada with a greater demand for Canadian CBD products. Um, I'm not sure how familiar... You are dealing with what happened with CBD in the U.S., but with the Industrial Hemp Act being passed in 2018, pretty much anyone and their dog could literally put a CBD brand on a shelf in anywhere in the U.S., from the gas mm -hmm. station to the grocery store, with little oversight or regulation for how that product was actually uh, processed or what was in it. And the FDA has yet to approve those. Um, there's been a lot of pushback from the FDA in the U.S. towards this industrial uh, hemp um industry and in canada because it's legalized under a regulated model there's more favor to that because it can be controlled and there are a lot more insight and research and all that is happening on the canadian side so we're going to see that countries or companies in the in canada that are processing for cbd purposes are going to look really favorable especially if they have expansion plans into the u.s so pay attention to those companies that are talking about cbd uh, either hemp, either hemp based or uh, cannabis-based, uh, mm. because those regulations in Canada are, are, are very critical for how it is uh, processed as, and, and unveiled. And the last part about this is if cannabis becomes federally legalized in the U.S., we're going to see the gas being hit on the research and development from academic institutions and from investment. The investment community wants to see R&D. They want to see something patentable. They want to know about all the magic in the plant that they can turn into some sort of, you know, IP for their company to own, um, whether it be for pharmaceutical, for, for, for products, for technology, for food. So, and really the largest, one of the bigger eyes on this is the development of cannabinoids through biosynthetic method, methods, which means no cultivation required. Uh, I'm not a fan of that at all. I think the cannabis should be grown like a plant from the soil or whatever medium. It should be grown, not developed in a Petri dish with yeast and bacteria. But people are working on that in Canada and the U.S. So um, it's a huge global market. And all of those things will become accelerated after the election uh, tomorrow. So see what happens. Well, yeah, there's there's so much to take in. And and, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't think that Petri dish uh, cannabis is ever going to replace actual growing cannabis in, in a grand scale. But, you know, I think that, that we should be exploring all kinds of options. And when you talk about the uh, uh, the educational institutions, Harvard, 
uh, already has a, a deal with Atlas Growers, a partnership where they are studying. So uh, that is going to get, and that's going to be the the real. Um, you know, th- there's going to be some companies that are going to profit off this, and and you can't have uh, some sort of legalization without uh, corporations getting involved. But the research, the development, uh, the science, uh, figuring that out is uh, is really going to speed up when you have that large of a country if it happens and, and this is still a big if right we, we still have to wait for this to happen but you know if this does happen uh, it, it it might be like flipping on a light switch and, and overnight uh, this giant new world of cannabis uh, you know could be open to not just americans but i think there's some canadians that'll be looking at this very very keenly as well Definitely. And a lot of the companies that we already know in Canada are primed to be doing either be like, you know, um, bought or like um, acquired by U.S. companies or the other way. Like the cross border cannabis action will definitely right. happen with a light switch if it becomes legal in the U.S. Um, so we're, we're, we're I know that there's companies that are primed for that and that they're talking about that without it having happened yet. So just stay tuned. Just mm-hmm. buckle up. It's going to be exciting. There's some Canadian companies that are just waiting because they are, you know, like they have those uh, big, big plans, as you mentioned. So it, it will be definitely interesting to watch, um, you know, and, and, you know, just for, for many reasons, I think the U.S. election is going to be um just a, a bizarre one this year. All right, let's move on to game changers and or change makers rather. And but this is a kind of a, a game changer as well in that uh, regard. And we're talking about uh, elevatedsignals.com and and some really interesting cannabis software. So fill us in. Yeah, so I found out about these guys sort of through a very circuitous route as a, as it tends to be. Um, they're a member of the micro or sort of the BC Farmers Craft Co-op. And the founder, um, we have very much aligned in our vision of making the world a greener place. He's he, Omar um, Sin. He's a sign. He's a member. Uh, he's the founder of the company. He has a background in computer science and environmental conversa- conservation and engineering. He's like worn every hat. And mm-hmm. he started his career starting in, out in like research facilities that had controlled uh, environments for like for studying plant life or really anything. So he actually got his start really early on in understanding how these very controlled environments could really um, make very good products or very good you know, growing conditions. So he basically got a chance to develop the software from this from a very early stage, long before cannabis became legal, just from literally looking in these these bio environments. Um, and basically what it is, it's a software model. So it's a SaaS, so a software as a service that you subscribe to for cannabis and hemp producers who need a better way to manage their operations inside their growing situation. So whether uh, they're for ensuring compliance as well as remaining competitive, the old way um, in the a lot of spaces is spreadsheets, binders, you know, doing a lot of things very manually. And some people believe that's the cheapest way to go. I mean, it's cheap to set up, but very expensive to maintain is what they say. So using a software system like this, when you're even in an early stage, even for a micro, um, they believe beyond the seed to sale platform, which there's many seed to sale platforms out there. I've, I've seen several um, but really what they're looking at beyond that is the water and the energy and the waste mm-hmm. being a, a, like a, um, controlled as well as monitored in these systems. And that's the overarching change maker of this whole thing is that they're not just tracking stuff for the sake of regulatory uh, reasons or doing things because they have to. They're doing it better and they're doing it better because when they, they say is that, um, you know, better 
controlled environments, there's a very strong uh, correlation with high quality cannabis. And you can see some of the brands on there, many of which you've talked to already, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, Nomi Star and Parkland Flower, Habitat, Pure Life, uh, Pure Sun Farms. These are high quality craft organic product um, companies that are in Canada and they're using the software. So we know that the high quality products come from really good quality craft growing. And these guys are creating a way that that can be measured, managed, and all of those negative aspects of energy, waste, and water, like bad things that happen to that or the negative effects of that can be contained or controlled or eliminated in using a program like Elevated uh, Signals. Uh, it's it's awesome. ElevatedSignals.com. And uh, for those watching, you can see uh, there's the uh, the website. And uh, it just, uh, I, I think that, listen, this could have actually been in uh, what it means to be green as well, that segment, because this, I love the, the aspect of the, uh, you know, monitoring the water, energy, and the waste and making sure that yeah that, that you're you're growing cannabis and you're being responsible and and i think those two go hand in hand with growing better cannabis and as you mentioned the uh, the number of companies uh, that are listed that are already using this um, uh, you know you know there's there's a lot of things that we can take malka from the the old days i guess of growing and and then there's a, a lot of things that we can bring into this as far as technology that can make the process a whole lot better you know there's there's, there's something romantic about having a business in a binder, but in this day and age, it's just not as practical as it used to be. I don't know if the romance novels with <laughs> binders can be used in the same sentence, but sure. Okay. Yeah. No, but yeah, I think that these guys have figured out something pretty cool and I'm excited to learn more about it. And I also found out that one of their major uh, part, part members of their team, Liam, is someone that I grew up with here in Alberta. So I feel like there's a lot of synergies when you talk about people from Alberta, you know, seeing the harms from the oil and gas industry and then turning a solution out uh, and doing it in the, in the cannabis business. That's about ending the stigma. That's what it means to be green. That's all of the things that I talk about, healing the planet and healing the people. So I'm very happy that I learned about these guys early and, and that they're they're just taking off like crazy. All right. So that, again, is uh, ElevatedSignals.com. Uh, you can check that out and uh, certainly uh, helping out. Uh, the the cannabis business by by helping moving it forward. Now we're going to talk about something in what it means to be green, and um, you have this labeled as the dark side, green washing, and this is actually something that I I I kind of knew about but didn't know the term. Maybe is is how it, uh, how I should say it. But explain what you mean by green washing or what the term means. Yeah, I actually didn't know the term either. I knew that it was a thing, but again, the term greenwashing, well, there is actually a definition for this. Uh, greenwashing is considered when like, or corporate greenwashing uh, is when a business makes impressive claims about their sustainability for the purposes of marketing uh, and promoting their products, but really is to distract them from the unsustainable practices that they actually have. It's dark. And this <laughs> is dark because uh, there's so many ways that this is dark, but this is a major part of what CP, why I hate the CPG model is because I'm going to say almost every CPG company out there has done this in some way, especially the big ones. So as a consumer packaged good company, you're always looking for ways to, you know, make your product stand apart from the other ones. And when green became a thing that was cool a few years ago to talk about all your products are being green, 
the labeling and marketing around this went haywire, but it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything to the point of billions of people being harmed either financially or physically because of what people were saying to promote their products being sold. So I'm going to use the example of Dieselgate here. This was one case study that I did during my MBA. Um, we did a lot of discussion around this uh, as a major part of my of my master's program as a differentiator from other programs out there. And this is why I'm not a typical MBA person. We discovered by studying these companies in depth, what the corporate and social impact was of harming people and lying to them over decades. And Dieselgate is the scandal where Volkswagen came up with some amazing emissions thing that said that their diesel was less um, harmful than the other diesel engines on the market. They were outright lying and they literally had many people go to prison over this and the harms are still being calculated. The uh, Volkswagen as a company had to buy back every single car mm -hmm. that they sold that had that marketing around it to the tune of billions of dollars around the world. And then they had to replace those vehicles and then they had to suffer the public uh, write downs from their, their essentially their high level executives going to prison over this. So this was a big deal. Um, and this is something that I learned, like I said, the details of what the scandal entailed and how it impacted the company. But this was a marketing thing. They were focused on the marketing aspect of their business to be the number one producer of diesel products or diesel engines in the world. And they did it at the, at the sake of their own company's um, truth and their own company's um, you know, image. And, and it's still, you know, to this day haunting them. But uh, at the same time, other companies have been doing this for a long time too. It just isn't as big as the Dieselgate scandal. And that's really because there is no definition of what it means to be green from a packaging perspective. So I put, uh, on the screen there, you see the statements that are vague, that are used to be eco, sustainable, mm -hmm. recyclable, biodegradable. Those words do not have a standard definition from implications. Exactly. And, the, and that's exactly why it's so harmful is that they can be used in any context. And um, and I talked about last week about B Corps. Well, B Corps are literally putting financial and measurable definitions around what it means when you say these words yes. as a company. Uh, and so the dark side of, of what it means to be green and greenwashing is that most people don't know that. They buy things because it has a label on it that says that the company's doing something green, mm -hmm. that the package and the label say something, but what their company is actually doing to get them that product is significantly more harmful than the customer believes. And that is intentionally misleading. And that is why I hate this so much. And this is also why CPG, the CPG model on the cannabis industry is also doing this. They're trying to make it look like they're doing something good, but they don't have a lot of tools to do that. So it's almost like a game of who puts the label on the first, but then what does that mean and how harmful is it to the consumer? And I just want people to understand that there's a lot more to this and they need to just look closer at the practices of the where they're getting their products. Exactly. Uh, you know, ask ask a question, reach out, do some research before you just blindly uh, fall in with it. Uh, it's, it's so very, very important. Melka, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more information, check out greengencompany.com and find out how Melka can help you. Thanks again, Melka. Talk next week. Thanks, Dean. Have a great week. This 
is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. All right, I want to remind you that the Cannabis 101 podcast is presented by Stonesmiths. Uh, you can check out the very cool slash uh, that they have on the market. It is great for concentrates. It is wonderful vaping. Uh, and it has, yeah, a built-in loading tool. Scoop it up, put it in. It's magnetic. We're going to tell you about all the great features as we move along uh, throughout the show. And you can check out more details uh, on YouTube as we uh, put together a few packages. But I want to tell you that you can find this at Green Rock Cannabis. Uh, they're right now in St. Albert and Lethbridge. Congratulations on their second store opening in Lethbridge. You can also find it in Edmonton at Uncle Ron's and at Northern Lights Supply as well. And of course, you can get more information at uh, www.stonesmiths.ca. Uh, but it is absolutely ideal. If you're new to dabbing, perfect way to get into it. You don't need the torch, it's got temperature settings. Boom. It is awesome. So, big thanks to Stonesmiths for uh, presenting the Cannabis 101 podcast, a great local Edmonton company. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel O. Jacks, the Hobbit's Leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, uh, weed word of the day. We give you one slang term and one standard term. And the uh, slang term is uh, pakalolo or pakalolo or pakalulu. I don't know. I don't know how you're pronouncing it. Uh, it's Hawaiian slang for weed. So if you ever go into Hawaii, maybe that's what they use as code. Uh, you're walking down the beach and some guy's got some pakalolo going. So there you go. Slang word, apparently. Uh, from what I learned from Hawaii. Uh, the standard term I'm going is smoking. This is uh, was uh, was from cannabis rights demonstrators uh, that started in the 1970s with uh, the YIP, the Yippie Movement, Youth International Party. They were supposed to be peaceful protests, but they turned ugly on a few occasions. The Gastown riots in Vancouver in 1971 is one of them where police were accused of beating people without cause and more. Um, and then, you know, you, you fast forward 50 years later, and it's an essential service. So it takes some time to change some minds, unfortunately. We're doing that, and hopefully this show is, uh, is a part of uh, hopefully convincing some people that it's not the devil's lettuce, it's not the lazy weed, it is actually something that can be very beneficial to people med medicinally, and recreationally as well. So that's weed word of the day. Pacalo, pacalolo, I don't know. And smoke in, I apologize if I uh, butchered uh, pacalolo. The one thing I do know about is that we have great music on this show. Uh, here is the weed song uh, from the artist, My Dead Dog. <laughs> Some grass. It's time to bust out. 
Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. All right, that is just about going to wrap things up for us uh, on this week. Uh, I'd love for you to, if you're listening, to check us out on our YouTube channel or streaming on our social media channels as well. And you can see a little bit about what we have going on here uh, for sure. Big thanks, of course, to Stonesmiths. Check out The Slash. Uh, You can find it at stonesmiths.ca. It is an ideal way to start dabbing without the torch and the fear and all that. It's really, really smooth. You can actually, and if you've never dabbed, you'll be amazed by the flavor uh, that you get uh, with uh, with these sort of things. So chime in on the cannabis question. Uh, what is something active that you do that involves cannabis? Big thanks to David Wiley. Big thanks to Malcolm LaBelle for joining me on the show this week. And, of course, thanks to Stonesmith for the slash and, of course, for being the presenting sponsor of the Cannabis 101 podcast. We're back with our number two on Wednesday. Chris Ionson will join us as we dive into another strain on what's that strain. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave us a review, and let us know what you think. If you'd like to join the show as a guest or possibly as an advertiser, hit me up at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that is uh, Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. And you can check out the website Cannabis101podcast.ca for past shows. And also check out PodcastAlley.ca for a bunch of other podcasts in my stable. Thanks very much for joining me. i got to get back to the slash now. Have yourselves a wonderful rest of the week. And remember, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy. Have yourselves a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.